Another episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini, along with the living legend, the one and only, in his words, the greatest human being that ever lived, Joe Cardinal. Um, we have a very special guest that we'll get to in a minute that I'm going to do the introductions for, because Joe's getting too good at that stuff. Um, how you been, Joe? Doing okay, man. Busy with school, work, you know, the usual, tired from workouts, so... An old man complained, but otherwise I cannot complain. How are okay, you? Okay, what are you learning in school? Well, I'm doing the anatomy and physiology class, which um given me a newfound respect for anybody who works in healthcare because this class is uh, kicking my ass. I am getting through it, but I don't know how. Um, I kind of picture it as like, you ever seen someone who is stumbling and falling and the only way they can stay up is by continuing to move? Like they just keep kind of running to like catch their feet because I feel like if I don't keep moving forward, I do that every single day of my life, Joe. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically that's what I'm going through. It just the volume of terms and kind of concepts. Um, I'm really not quite sure. By the time we're quizzing on one, I'm already behind on the next topic. Um, so it, it is quite intimidating, and so it's interesting to compare it because obviously I work in IT, and I think this is harder than any IT class I've ever taken. Just a, a sheer volume and memorization and things like that. But it's also fascinating. I mean, I'm just, even if I completely bomb out in the class, I'm learning about, um, you know, how the body works. A lot of nuances and things that I had, like, vague ideas about things. Um, but it's honing that in. So uh, it's not going to be a waste either way. I, I recommend it for anybody who's got the time or the inclination. Um, and anyway, I've got, I've, luckily, I've got a very cool and entertaining teacher, too. So he makes it interesting to go there. But just the actual, I have a lot of like, you know, I'm going back to like high school test anxieties with this thing, but I'm getting there. So only, god damn, like, what is it? Nine more weeks or some shit like that. So Maybe I can't, you ought to come to my surgery and, you know, they could always use an extra helping hand. I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, I think I should start giving you medical advice. I think that's the next step after this. Pretty you sure. may You may know just as much by the time you're done with that class. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. But now, now they're. Now there, it may not be just a simple laparoscopy. It it may be an open surgery. Now they won't know until they get they get into this. So I don't know what's cooking, but it's a week from this Tuesday, so it's like March eighth. So it's a, roughly a week away. Uh, I just want it over with. Um, or is that March seventh? I got to look now. Wait a second. I got to look on my computer. Be, yeah, that's March seventh. Tuesday, March seventh. But yeah, uh, you know, good luck with that. I went through all of that. I studied a lot of anatomy and physiology when I was young just to help me with my fighting. 
as you know, you've seen some of my ch- wall charts and everything downstairs. Um, you 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 lose it. You lose the. Hey, I still know where to hit and all of that jazz. I mean, forget some of the the theoretical um, names, but I I put my own little token names on them. You know, um, so it helps me remember. Like if I hit somebody, you know, in the xiphoid process, I don't even think of the xiphoid process anymore. You know. I say like 78 to St. Clair, because that's where I use it on somebody, and the reaction was very good. And, you know, or 70, you know, 29th, uh, you know, 2900 block Elmwood Park, 72nd court. You know, that's where him and I used to live. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, quick, give us an update on what I'm doing my seminars, because there's been one change out of the two seminars. But before we go any further, before I forget, I want to say when you do have your surgery, if they give you any of the parts left over, if you could give them to me, it's like show and tell for the class, that would be appreciated. So keep that in mind. Maybe ask the doctors if any, anything they take out. Well, I got a bunch of apples. I think it would help by giving your teacher an apple. I mean, it always worked for me. I'll try that as well. But like I said, yeah, any bits and parts that you they, they no longer need for you. Pass them on, on. for science, Tony, really. Con- contribute I'm not getting things. a vasectomy over here, okay? I mean, I know that's what you're leading up to. You're not getting it. But all right, I'll do what I can. Jeez, man, give, give, give. I mean, what, do you, what am I, the Red Cross? I mean, come on. All right. Well, yes, workshops. So uh, Page Krav Maga is going to be uh, Sunday the 19th of March at 10 a.m. So that's our normal third Sunday of the month there. This change is at uh, Jason Bender's Martial Art and Fitness. We'll be doing that on Saturday the 25th at 1.30 p.m. from 1.30 to 3.30. Um, if you can't make those, please consider hitting Tony's website, catchwrestle.com. All the links will be below if you're looking at uh, our YouTube video. Uh, you can do digital downloads. That's always helpful if you can buy those things. Or join our monthly membership. Two levels, $10 where you get additional video content that is not available elsewhere. Or the $5 a month thank you, uh, showing appreciation for the podcast and all the free videos on YouTube. Um, what else have we got? I think that private training. Well, absolutely. Day, try private training. So, again, check out Tony's website, um, catchwrestle.com, the original Catch Wrestling website, and sign up to get personal training with Tony. Um, yeah, and, you know, click the like buttons, click subscribe. If you're listening to us on a podcast platform, give us a, a big, you know, positive five-star review. All those things help us. Uh, and thanks for all the kind comments on YouTube. Thanks again. Well, I guess we should get to this. You know, I've never – you know how, like, when you look to either buy a house or you, like, you move into a new neighborhood and you wonder, well, I just hope this is going to be a nice neighborhood. You know, I hope there's not going to be a problem. I hope. I get along with the neighbors and things like that. Well, you know, I don't know, 17 years ago, something like that. It's been a long, long time. I moved into a new neighborhood. And the worst nightmare that you could ever imagine happened. Our upcoming guest today turned out to be my next door neighbor, my exact next door neighbor. And I got to tell you, oh, and especially when you move next to the doors of a law enforcement agent. Oh, my goodness. No more topless parties at my house on my back porch. I'll tell you that. But I got to admit, we're at a unique moment here because I got my two closest friends on this podcast, Joe and our upcoming guest, Dan Nadolski, 
a, a sensational, wonderful martial artist, absolute cream of the crop. He'll talk about that. Retired uh, Cook County Sheriff, 30 years. Uh, he'll get into all of that. Um, and just a great father, great guy all the way around. Wonderful. He's Him and I have been through a lot together, a lot of good, a lot of bad. And uh, I have to think, but I believe now since Kevin's death that Dan is the oldest, longest, you know, uh, probably the friend, the longest friend that I've had now in Chicago because all, all my friends that I knew before I knew Dan, they've sadly passed on. And I think I met Vince after, for sure I met Vince after I met you. But anyway, without further ado, Let's welcome uh, the the best. That's all I can tell you, Dan Nadolski. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Boom. Yeah, so he's a very talkative guy. You know, we'll never shut him up. Joe, ask questions because I'm going to clobber him soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dan. So, where did you grow up? Were you growing up around the Chicago area? Yep, grew up in. I was born in Chicago. Grew up in Chicago, pretty much the north side. I was in. I grew up in. Um, Ravenswood area, and then when I got oh, married nice. and I first wife, I moved to uh, Rogers Park. Okay, cool. Yeah, Ravenswood's a great area. That's really nice. Yeah, if I could, and now it's probably like crazy out of my price range, but that would be one of the areas I would pick to go and hang out at and or live. You know, I love all the little bungalows there and stuff. Great area in Chicago. Yeah, it's a very it's a big uh, yuppie area. That house that I lived in, they they tore it down and moved uh, built a new one, which I'm sure they charge an outrageous amount for i have no idea but it was expensive yeah i kind of hate that and a lot of them like you know you got these classic chicago bungalows and brick and they'll tear them down and build these big monstrosities in there you know because obviously they had the money to or whatever but it's a real shame a lot of the character of the city is kind of being taken away by that i mean i guess that's gentrification and everybody bitches about that but it's you know i don't have a problem if you're gonna you know but restore it if you've got access you have the money and the means to have these classic old chicago uh buildings you know mm-hmm. keep them up make them nice it's a piece of history you know i love those old buildings but unfortunately a lot of these people come from out of town or from the burbs they're not used to that you know they maybe they don't have the same connection to the city that like i had but yeah that's unfortunate when they they tear down a lot of the old places and uh yeah just build some big monstrosity on this you know place uh, but that's really cool because you're right by the river there You've got easy access to the Ravenswood train line, which is now the Brown line, but I always know mm-hmm. it's I'm that old. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I kind of grew up like maybe eight blocks, eight, 10 blocks south of that. So kind of by California Park, if you know where that is. California and uh, what? Well, the, the park is California. So, so picture like um, uh, Gordon Tech High School. You know mm-hmm. where that is? That was my yeah. neighborhood, basically. So oh, not okay. too far. Yeah, not too far at all. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, so you, you, where did you go to high school? St. Benedict. St. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I had a lot of buddies that went there. That's cool. Yeah. I went and at grammar school, I went to St. Matthias. St. Matthias. Um, <clears throat> now were you in, like, were you into sports growing up? No, not really. I wasn't. I mean, I, I played sports like everybody else, but I never was on the uh, teams, team sports, you know, like in high school or anything. Nothing organized, just like pickup kind of stuff? No, yeah. Right. One of the main reasons, because when the high school, all I was interested in was either playing hockey or football, and they didn't have either one of those at school. I didn't want to play um, <clears throat> didn't want to play basketball or baseball. And sorry to say, Tony, but when I was young, I used to think that wrestling was very gay. 
They all did. Everybody There's a fine did. line, that's for sure. I, I've learned in time, a little bit too late, unfortunately. You know, to interject, a lot of the martial art guests that we've had on, many of them did not come from a, an athletic background as far as team sports or anything. Do you notice that, Joe? That's for sure, yeah. And a lot of times, it's like, I don't know if it's that, what it is about that. If it's kind of like, you know, until they find the martial arts, something that's a little bit more concrete because a lot of sports honestly is like abstract combat right like you're taking territory or yards or whatever but it's like that level of abstraction maybe kind of turns some people off at some level you know like it it, but once they get to the real stuff and they're like oh this clicks for them and that's something they want to do yeah i yeah i I don't i have no idea i never really thought about it because i don't really ask too many questions like that but yeah but anyway, go ahead. Ask him more questions, man. We're, it's interesting. Do, do you have a martial arts background? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge. How did, yeah, how did that start? Excuse me. Uh, just like every, I, I actually met my instructor at a, um, at a job that I used to work at. And uh, we were just one day we were talking and we were talking about, you know, martial arts. And uh, he said that he had been it for a long time. And uh, from that point on, I started. I was about 23 at the time. No. Stayed with him for at least, uh, well, I got my black belt under him. It took me about six years for that. But um, also the thing about it, when I when I took my, my my training with him, I didn't go with all those different colored belts. I went with the old style, which was black, brown, and, or white, brown, and black. So I was a white belt for three years, a brown belt for three years, and then I put on my black belt. And tell them what the, uh, level you are now. Commercially, uh, it's really weird. Commercially, I'm a ninth then, but in actuality, once you're a black belt, you're a master under, under the system because it, it goes, you know, the white, brown, and black, which equals student, disciple, master. I got you. So the, the, when you go, when you're putting on all these the Dan ranks and stuff, it's really more of a commercial aspect of it than actually the reality of it. I mean, once you're a black belt, you're a black belt. What style was this? Tang Sudo, which is what... Um, Chuck Norris started off with. That's a Korean style, right? Yes. It's a Korean style that is heavily, uh, heavily Japanese, I mean, not Japanese, Chinese. And from there, you get a lot of the circular movements and stuff, whereas um, a lot of the Korean styles, and I'm not going to say all for sure because I don't want to step on anybody's toes, a lot of them are very linear, whereas the, I have a lot of the Chinese influence, so I get a lot of circular and, and spinning movements, not just spinning movements, but, you know, angles and stuff. That's interesting. So, because it's, I've only seen some pictures, a handful of pictures here and there uh, from books and whatnot. And it, 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 it looks karate-like to me, just from the outside. You know, I don't know any of the nuances of the techniques, but it's interesting with Korea, because Korea is obviously geographically between Japan and China. And right. it, that cross-cultural, uh, you know, I wonder if that's part of it. Is Do you know much of the history of it? That's, that's exactly what it is because, you know, they were in victory. Korea was invaded by uh, China or Japan. I mean, they were, they were uh, constantly, it would, be, it would be foolish if you see a bunch of people that are in your country and you become friends with them and they're martial artists and you're martial artists. Why would you not exchange techniques? I mean, not everybody was an enemy that occupied, you know, their country. So that's really how, how it happened. And when I say, um, just to give you an idea, another idea of the Chinese influence, Tang refers to the Tang dynasty of China. Mm. So it's Tang, Tang meaning China, Su meaning hand, and Do meaning path, method, or way. So it's still basically the way of the China hand. Huh. Uh, if, if you were to 
say that same thing in um, Japanese, it would be Kenpo. And, and, no, very good. I was going to ask you about that because that's law of the fist, law of the fist, way of the fist. And then if you say Chinese, it's Chunfa, which is the fist art. So they're all intertwined and all have it. So is are, is Kenpo and Tang Sodo, are, are they the same art? Or are they just related arts or is it just a... They're related. You, you, you can never say, oh, a Tang Sudo stylus is going to do what a, a Kenpo stylus is. Not necessarily. Their applications may be different, but a lot of the principles are the same. You know, yeah, you don't hit somebody one time. I don't, I don't need to I'm sorry. You don't hit people one time. If you're, if you're going to punch somebody, you elbow them, you, you, you need to draw back. So you hit them three times as opposed to just one time. You don't just block and then hit. You block and counter or you even hit before they, they even strike you. Is it now? Is there any connection with that in Taekwondo? Or are they completely separate lineages? Well, originally Taekwondo was um, that was a, a military art and it was a combat art. What happened is uh, Korea at one t- at one point wanted to make it have a universal martial arts. So this is you know this is the art of Korea. So that's when they kind of put the emphasis on tong, um, excuse me Taekwondo, and then it became more sports oriented. So whereas Tungsudo nowadays you can't there, there are tournaments, but originally it was meant as as a killing art, and that's you know that's you, you, you was taught to to military men and things like that. Of course, there was it was, it was the upper class, and that was it was more than when they were taught Warengo, which is a completely different story. It's a lot, you know, a lot more involved in that. So has um is Tungsudo still fairly popular, or has it been overshadowed a lot with the kind of the prominence of taekwondo or or the it's i i think it's 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 found its own vehicle as of late and and it's funny because when i first started it out um and people would ask me what i'm what am i taking and i said you know it's a chinese korean art and i remember going to this one martial arts supply store and telling this guy yeah it's a korean and he goes i never heard of that nowadays it's it come to more fruition so people see oh they see tongs at all and one of the best ways you can tell if, it, if they're tongue sudo, if they're wearing uniforms, those are the ones that have the black um, trim around them, completely black trim. That's that's tongue sudo, or traditional tongue sudo. But yeah, um, and there was, you know, there was, I, I, there was like five styles of, of, of taekwondo. I don't remember what, Wodokan, Wodokan, Jungkwan, Chochikwan, I forget the other one. But anyway, Did those are five Mudakwan? main styles that they blended in. You said Mudakwan? Mudokwan, yeah. Yeah, because I heard of that. I heard of Florango and I heard of uh, of Hakido, of course. Well, ha- yeah, Hakido is is it's it's all it's all inter inter interwoven together. Because yeah, there's Mudokwan, Orokwan, Shangmukwan, and Jidokwan, and there's one other one I can't remember. Those are like the five main ones. Because if you were to look at my my original family style that I was taught was called Chochekwan. So. It was Choche Kwan Tang Sudo, and then I went to Tang Sudo Mudo Kwan, Mudo Kwan Tang Sudo. Anyway. Hmm. That's interesting because didn't um, oh, uh, your other buddy Scott, he, we had him on the show, and he was a Kempo guy, isn't that right, Tony? My, I, uh, yeah, Scott was a, Kemp, was a Kempo, he owned a Kempo school out in Laguna Beach or no, uh, yeah, California. Don't, it doesn't. I can't remember. I, I know it's Huntington Beach. That's oh, what it was. Um, hi, James. Hi, my, my son is <laughs> photo bombing. <laughs> you mean my godson? Hi. 
That so, yes. You say hi? It's a photo bomb. Sorry. Boy, he's a good-looking kid. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I liked Hakido because, you know, of joint locks, naturally. And, of course, it added the kicks and and uh, and things like that. And, you, and, you know, there was that, or probably still is that, that big Hapkido school uh, on the northwest side of Chicago there off of uh, Diversity, I think it is. Hans. Huh? Hans, but I don't think he teaches anymore. But, yeah, the school is still there. Yeah, yeah I would just. Yeah. He'd have to be way old. I mean, they brought that hotshot guy in from Korea, that kid. Man, he could run on the walls and do backflips off the walls. And, I mean, it was very athletic. I, I don't know how their fighting abilities are, but, you know, yeah. Um, but uh, go ahead, Joe. Ask more pro eating questions. Now, um, yeah, let's talk about – because so you got into law enforcement. Was that something you did out of high school, or was that something that came later? Oh, later. I um, I was 30 years old before I, I got into um, the county. Then a lot of it, you know, unfortunately, whether people like to say it or not, it was it, it was very political. And that respect is sometimes you got to talk to this person or talk to that person. It's not always the case. And I don't know now because I've been away from it. For, I mean, I'm talking 30 years ago. But you needed to you know talk to somebody. It still took me 16 months to get in. But I didn't get, I didn't start with the county until I was about 30 years old. This is a uh, Cook County. Yes. County share. Yeah, I have a buddy who is, um, and I don't know as far as who he had to talk to or whatever, but he was, he's a Chicago policeman. And it took him a long while to get in there too. I think he applied and worked as a security guard for a few years, at least before he got into the academy, maybe longer, I forget. But um, yeah, it, yeah, I'm sure that those jobs are hard to come by. Yeah, they take a while. But you know, once you're in there, you, you pretty much got it made because it's a, it's a union. It's it's a law. It was law enforcement. They did a big cut in the county a few years ago, and they weren't going to mess with us because they were law enforcement. They're considered, you know, keep the, the community can, can safe. You, can you talk about that? I mean, because a lot of people like okay, like for for example, in Chicago or probably any large city, when you're when you're on the police force of Cleveland or Chicago, you're a Chicago cop. You're a Cleveland cop, but that's not the case. With, with Cook County or probably other counties. Tell us about the different, I don't know what you would even call them, divisions or types of, you know, officers you can be in, in, in you know, with that. Yeah, there's, there, well, there's a basic, basically three different departments. They're all, all the same department, but there's uh, divisions, I guess you want to call it that. And within them, there's small ones. I'll give you an example. There's, first, there's sheriff's police, um, excuse me, those are ones who, are, who do all the unincorporated areas. They wear the brown uniform. So as far as we always call them, the clowns in brown. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And then there, the other two was uh, either corrections or court services. And then you would go off and do those. And then, you know, I, I was an offshot of that. They had another department, which was uh, Department of Community Supervision Intervention. And that was, I was with uh, electronic monitoring. So there's a lot of different ones within, within, but what the sheriff's what what the sheriff's department does, other than the sheriff's police, is we deal with everything that has to do with the courts, pretrial detainees and people that are working things off, or you know. So we don't necessarily we're not we, when we go on patrol, we're not on patrol like Chicago where they're they're watching for people doing stuff, and you know we we get we have specific calls that we usually go to, and that is with people. But I'm, I'm talking about myself and what I did. But in theory. This is even now, even though I've known you almost 20 years, I still need some clarity because I forget. 
you have or the sheriff's department or whatever has broader powers of arrest than let's say the city of chicago cop correct we're pretty well equal what we have and what they don't have and 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 i believe me i got a lot of chicago police friends and i'm not slamming or anything but they'll they always say you know they always forget that cook county is not in chicago chicago is in cook county yeah and, you know, so, yeah, and the way it works is in law enforcement is whatever, whatever neighboring towns you kind of have jurisdiction to. So the county, what the county is any, any town, any town, any county that we touch, we have jurisdiction in. So if you say, well, you're in DuPage, you're never in jurisdiction. Yes, we do. We have actually statewide jurisdiction. So it's, it's just basically um, the different kinds of uh, jobs that each one of us do as far as opposed to us in Chicago, for example. Were you considering being a Chicago cop or were you definitely had your eyes on the sheriff department? Like, was there a reason for one over the other or? Well, <clears throat> yes, I, I, I originally did want to be a Chicago cop, but my first wife was uh, set against it and I made a mistake of listening to her. So mistake or not a mistake, I don't know. But at the time I really wanted to, and she didn't want me to, she was worried it was too dangerous. So she figured, oh. okay, go with the county. It's not as bad, but it can be. I mean, when you're out on the street, I mean, I started in the jail, so, but when you're out on the street and carrying a gun and you're in uniform and you got a squad car, nobody cares who you are, where you're from. You know, if they, if they need help, they need police, they need police. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask because, I mean, yeah, if, if something is going down and the Chicago cops aren't there, I'm imagining it's. I mean, is it still considered your duty or do you have to back off or like, what is, what, what are the, you know, how does that work? If, if we're witnessing a crime, I don't know, say, just I'll say, for example, a guy's beating up his girlfriend or something and knocking around on the street and we just go by, we can be sued for that because we, we had with failure to act. So yeah, we would have to do something. We have, if, if something is going on and if somebody's just, I don't know, vandalizer or something we can try and get the information but otherwise if we see an actual crime in front of us we have to do something like for example we don't normally do any kind of uh traffic stops but if we're behind somebody and that person's all over the road we are we have to stop them and see what's going on with them interesting and, uh, let me just add, add to that as a matter of fact there was one time that that just that happened this guy was all over the road a little bit and it was i think it was early in the morning and uh uh, we pulled him over and said, what's going on? He's like, I just got off work. I'm extremely tired. And looked at the guy and he, he didn't look drunk. He didn't have any alcohol smell. I said, okay, you know, he gave him his driver's license and he wasn't more than a, maybe a mile away. So we'll take it easy. But we had to do something. We had to see what was going on. So maybe they're just uh, stopping him and waking him up a little bit. Saying, oh, I got it. You know, maybe that was enough for him to get home safer. Mm. Like in the case where like, yeah, you, you, uh, you know, intervene on like an assault or something that's going on. Do you then like make the arrest and take them to the Chicago police or, or like imagining, like, let's say it's in the, within the city boundaries, uh, things like that, or, or do they get handed over to the local authorities or is it just, you know, cause um, yeah. How does that work exactly then once like the process? We used to do that. We used to um, like if something happened in Chicago, we had to stop, we'd call Chicago and then it got to the point where they didn't want, pardon me, I'm sorry, they didn't want 
to do all of our work, but they didn't want to do all the processing of it. So they basically put it in our hands. And then our supervision, our, our administration says, no, you guys are going to do all the booking. You guys are going to do it. You have to stop somebody. Might not be your job, but if you're arresting somebody, you're going to take them down to Maywood and you're going to book them. Hmm. So is Maywood like the, uh, is that like the home base for the Cook County uh, sheriffs? It was for me. That's more, that was probably the closest one we would go to. They also have one in Markham. And yeah. So um, uh, rolling metals. So any of those we could go to. And what we do there, what we used to do, um, like if somebody, say, for example, was on rolling metals in a house arrest, we were going to bring it back to jail. We would bring them all the way back to Cook County, but they changed that and said, no, you're going to bring somebody back. They got to come back to Cook County. If you're in rolling metals, just bring them over to rolling metals and leave them with them. And then they then they put them on the bus for all the car, all the guys going back to the jail from court. So there's been a lot of changes, a lot more responsibility. Is it yeah, the I shirts? have an interesting story about. Uh, um, <laughs> no, yeah, <you're> not <laughs> yeah, um, and so Kevin's stepson was a bailiff, and uh, he was working out of Maywood. So I had something to give him. I don't remember now what it was. It didn't doesn't matter. But you know me, I'm an early bird. So I show up there at like seven o'clock in the morning. And you know, I'm waiting in line to get in, get, you know, um uh you know, electronic, you know, cleared and shit. What do you call it? Uh, metal detector and everything. And uh so one of the, the guards says, Okay, wait in the back of this line, man. I'm like, all right. So I'm waiting, and they start calling like a roll call, everybody in this line that I'm in. <laughs> I'm in a line for freaking slop, okay? They thought that I was going to do some road crew shit. So I'm like, yo, wait a minute here, okay? Um, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm here to shoot Terry O'Donnell, man. I, I got something for him. They're like, oh, Jesus Christ, well, why didn't you say something? I'm like, it's, it's all right. So I'm one of your... Uh, one of your guys almost had me on a road crew. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, they took a look at you, and that's where most people would be putting you, right? Yeah, well, and I, yeah, of course, and I was in the back of the line. That's where they put all of us Italians, it looks like. So, But, you know, Dan, well, I had to go. So I've been there, and I've been to the one in Rolling Meadows with somebody that had a traffic situ- you know, traffic violation or what, what have you. Um, I've never been to the one in Markham. I drove driven past it a lot by that Swaparama over there, the, you know, the outdoor flea market, but that's getting close to the Indiana border when we're talking Markham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there were no other satellites. Those were the three locations. And I've been to your place, 26 and Cal, of course, to see you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that those are the main, those are the main um, courthouses. I don't think I'm missing one. Yeah. Talk a little bit about Cook County Jail, because as we were saying, that's like one of the largest, if not the largest jail in the country, or county jail. It is the largest single site um, jail. Um, I believe L.A. County is bigger than us, but L.A. County, they've got um, their jail spread out. So it's not all in one location. There's like, you know, one over here, one over there, whatever. You know, they're, they're not all in the same area, whereas ours are all basically clustered in one area. That's the difference. Well, this is a little pet peeve of mine. I got two two pet peeves, but maybe you can answer this one. Maybe maybe you don't know, but people always use the term jail like 
he's going to like he killed three people he's going to jail well no he's going to go to prison if he killed three people distinguish the difference between there's like limits to how long you can stay at county jail so tell us the difference between county and a prison difference between county and a prison is we are everybody that's in jail are considered pre-trial detainees there might be some there that have been sentenced but if they're still in cook county they have other cases that they have to uh, dispose of before they can go and then there's also a lot of times where people have been convicted like say i don't know say they killed two people so they kill one person they get convicted they get sent to prison but the other case for the other person that they killed comes up so they're brought back from prison to cook county jail They'll stay in Cook County Jail while they're going through the um, through the court process, and then once that's done, then they get shipped back to prison to continue their case or, or to continue their sentence. Or, you know, it could it could be consecutive, and they they could just stack it on. That's, yeah, I'm you know, glad that's you cleared that up because people just use that you know jail jail. And the other thing is, um, corrections officers are not policemen; they're not cops. And and we've talked. We're not going to drop names, but we we've talked about. A person or two that were, you know, for a short time COs, and you know, they 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 told people, yeah, I was a cop. There's a difference, right? There is. The only only thing that's the same is, like I told you, um, you know, court services, uh, corrections, and sheriff's police. They're all we're all considered considered deputies. The only difference with that is sheriff's police are police officers. So it says police officers on their badge, but in actuality, they are deputies. So, yeah, you know, if you're a correctional officer, you have police powers in the respect that, you know, you can hold somebody, but you're not a police officer. Like even myself, I, I, I was an investigator and uh, I carried my gun for almost 30 years, 24 hours a day if I wanted to. Now that I'm retired, I have to get a concealed carry because I don't have a, it's called an IROC or a ROC, which is basically it's a uh, retired police officer's um, uh, certification because I wasn't denoted as a police officer. So I basically fall in the same uh, category as everybody else, which is, it's, it's a dumb law, but it's a law that's been on the books. It hasn't been changed. So, Is that a, a national thing or that's just an Illinois thing? It's Illinois. It's a county thing. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, there are subtleties. There are, um, yeah, there are just, there are differences. Like we, we've had uh, one of my, one of my uh, students on here and good friend, he lives in Indiana, Justin Brown, sensational Japanese martial artist uh, and instructor, and he's he's in the Tri C program, so he's coming along very well. And uh, he made sure that when we had him on, that we uh, introduced him. We we distinguished he's an EMT and not a paramedic, and that's another mm-hmm. one of those terms that gets mm-hmm. thrown around. People will call, let's say, hey, the the medics came, the paramedics came. Well, they're really EMTs. No disrespect, but this is like I'm going to. You know, I'm going to jail. No, you're going to prison, you know. Um, see, yeah, so these are little nomenclature things that kind of, um, you, you, you know, it, it bugs me. And not just in this stuff, but just in, in anything. Like, I had a friend of mine who was a, a mechanic. No, he wasn't a mechanic. You know, he was a, he's an auto tech. They, they call them auto techs now. And, uh, and there's a difference. And I told you, I, I said it, I got thrown out of my, out of great clips. Because I called her a barber and she's like, I'm not a barber. Okay. You know, we're a hairstylist. And she got really offended. You got to watch what you say, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> my, my nephew, who was a 
he went to school, he became a mechanic. As far as I call him, I call him a mechanic. He goes, no, I'm a technician. But he stopped getting upset with me for saying that because he realized, that, you know, that's the way I was brought up. Anybody who worked yeah. on a car that was a mechanic. But now it's, you know, it's so technical, I guess. They have to be called technicians. But Well, my former tech that passed away, Steve the Greater, he was awesome. But he explained it pretty much like an, a technician is a diagnostician, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in his mind, a mechanic is here. I'll tell him what to do here. Change those spark plugs. You know, use well, a seven sixteen socket or whatever it is. You know, you kind of like explain it. They're not. A, they're not going to figure out major issues. Right. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. That's what he told me. I'm neither one of those two. So you know, um, but medical medical field is bad like that too. In you what LP, LPNs, PAs, doctors. I mean, physician assistant, and then get. Uh, LPNs, RNs. Nurse practitioner. A nurse practitioner, right. That's another. Which is like a physician's assistant. They're all, I get, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, DOs, you know, osteopathic doctors. They're doctor doctors. They can prescribe drugs, but they're not an MD. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just like a chiropractor. They're not MDs. Right. Um, yeah, go ahead, Joe. You know, when we were talking about prisons, um, does, I'm assuming Illinois has state and federal prisons. Is that right? And like, is it just depending on which laws you break, whether you, which one you go to, basically? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Federal prison, you're going to be at what is Marion's M I C or whatever. It's downtown. If you do something and it's a, and a federal, you'd be held federal. You'll be held in federal, which is downtown. If it's uh, if it's state, you're you're you can be held you can be held in the county for a while until you're you know whatever happens. If you're, and I'm, I'm talking about before you're sentenced. But yeah, there's there's different there's definitely different uh, distinctions, so to speak. And that federal prison downtown is that that high rise that triangular high rise that you see? I'm not sure where it is, but it's it's M, was it MCI or MIC Municipal Illinois Corrections or something. But it's downtown. I don't know exactly where it is, but I know it's downtown. I haven't been to it. I never had to go to it. But yeah, that's federal. Did your role, did you have to do a prisoner transfer type stuff? All the time. How was that? In, in transfer and the respect. Like I, I dealt with people on house arrest. Go ahead. So yeah, I, I dealt with people on house arrest. So like if somebody violated, yeah, I have to bring it back to jail. You know, something like that. But, you know, I, I didn't do the, the tra- like, transporting them from, like, uh, the jail to the prison. That's, that's uh, what transportation does, which is a part of corrections. Their, their job is taking people to court and taking people to prison. That's all they do for the most part. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so now, did, did you ever have any instances where your martial arts training, you know, helped you with your job on the force? A little bit. One time I had a knuckle a guy's head because he tried to bang out, bust up out of the back seat of the car. He started kicking it with his feet. So I had to kind of get in there and knuckle his head a little bit. But other than that, for the most part, it was more, more psychological and more, you know, using the right words, getting people, you know, you know, you don't always have to hit somebody to, to get them to comply. And that was really what you have to learn how to do. You really had to learn how to talk to people. And that, and in and, and retrospect, that's one of the things I was glad that I started and I worked in jail for almost five and a half years because it really taught me how to deal with, you know, 
for lack of a better word, these shitheads. So I was able to deal with them and get them to comply with a lot of stuff rather than have to really tussle with them. I mean, there's a couple times here and there, but not very often. So you started for a few years, uh, like in, in the prison? Is that how? In the jail. In the jail? Cook County Jail. I started in Cook County Jail. I worked almost five and a half years in the jail and then went over to electronic monitoring. And then the balance of my career was with electronic monitoring. I was a supervisor for a little while. I was on the street for a little while. So I, I did all aspects of it for him pretty much. That must have been pretty intimidating, though. So you started out in the jail. That I mean, what was that like? Did you have a, a partner with you or someone to kind of like show you the ropes? At, or? at first, yeah. At, well, the way I did it, they, they stopped it. But the way I did it, I was hired and I was hired and I became a cadet. And I was a cadet for about, I don't remember what I was. I don't know, about six months I was a cadet. And then I went to the academy and then they, they show you, teach you all the laws and stuff. And then you become sworn. So when I was a cadet, I was, in, I wore a blue, you know, I looked like a janitor's uniform. I wore that. And, and then, and then I went, went to the academy and then I did all, all the training and then I got uh, sworn, became certified. And, uh, but now the way it is, if you get, if you get hired with the county, they send you straight to the academy because it's a liability factor because they figure, well, we can't be sending you into the, into the jail if you're not experienced and don't know anything. So, but when I went in, that's the way they did it. You know, they basically did more hands-on. Wow. Um, just how big is that prison? I mean, that seems massive. It's a like, jail, oh, Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry, jail. I'm already messing up. It, well, you know, the original jail that I worked in, I think they finally just leveled it, which was just a shame because it was a lot of history there. But that was Division One, so now they have uh, Division Eleven, so they're all the way up to you know two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. You know, a couple of them are comp- combined, like three and four were combined. Those are the women's dorms. But I think there's like ten thousand total they could hold. But um, with the electronic monitoring and stuff, they they were way under capacity. Capacity. But when I was in there, when when electronic monitoring was there, but it wasn't as big, we had people sleeping on the floors. It was just real bad overcrowding, which did. What's one thing that uh, Sheriff did is he got rid of the overcrowding, but in that respect, also a lot of people that should have been in jail are getting let out, at least in my opinion. Wow. So even with like, they could hold 10,000, but even that wasn't enough. Yeah. At that one time, yes. We could get your whole family, Joe. They'll all have a place to stay. (laughs) Three meals? Yeah, sign me up. Um, one, one one kind of neat thing that I was actually able to experience was uh, I, I did all my, when I worked in a jail, I worked in only one division and that was division one. That was the original division. That was the division that had the bars on it. You walked on the catwalks and walked around. So you didn't have any show actually any physical contact with the inmates on the, on their tiers, but in the basement, they had all the movement. And that was the first structure. That was the first jail. That was originally called the house of corrections. Now, the reason why I, I say this is because um, they have the basement, which is a boulevard. We you walk back and forth, that's where all the movement is. And then if you keep walking to one end, it goes right into, into uh, the criminal courts building. But just before you go in there, if you turn left and open a door, it takes you down a few steps. And now you're below the, um, the main boulevard. And that's where they had solid, um, uh, solitary confinement cells. And when you walk there, each block, there was four blocks, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H. Each block had its own little door, which was about three foot high. It was a dirt path that went in, and then they had all these cells where nothing but there were just nothing but holes in the wall. 
And um, when they were doing it, they were doing some construction. That's why I walked down there and they asked the guy, can I look at it? He goes, you don't want to go there. It's all nasty and everything. And it's filled with rats. I'm like, okay. But they stopped doing that in, I don't know, the early 60s because it was considered cruel and unusual punishment. I still think they should have it for some people. Wow. So this was like, this was like isolation in the basement, just some like hole in the ground where people would be put. Yep, there was a, they'd go up this path and there was a few cells and there was this main corridor where an officer would just sit out in the corridor. He wasn't even anywhere in, in the cells and he would just sit there. And they once they put him in there, just leave him in there. I think they just, you know, give him a bucket and that's about all, that's about it. And they'd feed him, but you know, that was it. Wow. That was considered cruel and unusual punishment. But anyway, that I believe that building is now leveled, which was a shame because it was one of the best ones built. And, you know, and it had a lot of history. Capone was in there for a while, and I'm sure a lot, a lot of others of notoriety, but I know him for sure, and I'm sure some of his his guys were in there. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the history, and it's a shame that they're tearing stuff down. I was kind of on a rant a little bit online um, uh, about, uh, this is not related to anything we're talking about, but it's about the city of Chicago that, uh, you know, the uh, Belmont L-stop, the red line and the brown line? Yeah. Well, they're completely redoing that. So if, you, if you've been in Wrigleyville now, so, you know, you have the classic Chicago L train where it's like steel girders. It has this kind of vintage look to it. But now they're building these cement paths, like they're, they're getting rid of that and they're re- replacing it with uh, cement structures. Okay, now, I lost you for a minute, Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah, I see you're back. No, it's all right. But I'm just saying that, you know, they're, they're replacing it with more efficient, like, organized these uh it almost looks like monorail kind of lines for the whole the length of the, of the or just that area i think it's just that area from what i can tell from some discussions online i've had with it um but i've also seen that like um some of the like vintage train stations l stations have been completely modernized which i don't like like i, I like this like you said there's a lot of history there in the city and that's kind of what gives it its character and um Granted, maybe there's some, you know, there's there's efficiencies there, but yeah, it's it's a shame that we're losing that history, and hopefully, like they're not going further with it. Uh, but that'd well, be a real shame. Look what happened when you and I went back to my hometown in Cleveland. Damn near, it, everything is gone. Of my my house, everything is gone. Where I boxed, all my high schools except for one. Yeah, and I went to three high schools. My grade schools are all gone. I mean, what you know? Yeah, it, 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 I'm like you, Joe. I have a sense of the past. Uh, and I've been told I live in the past, and you know what? Yeah, I do, and I'm happy to do that. Dan's a, Dan's an old spirit. I mean, he's modern, but probably more than I am. But you know, shit. You know, he's so Dan. Let me let me ask you this. I mean, without giving names or you know anything like that, what what were some of the most like incredible things? Like, all right, electronic monitoring. Did somebody escape? Did they like pry it off their ankle and? Stories like that. I mean, what was like the most outlandish arrest or, or whatever you want to call it that you had to go on? I not say so many outlandish arrests. I do know one guy, we went to change the guy's equipment and uh, he thought we were there to bring him back. So he takes off and he leaves. So we get, you know, a couple of our, our, our units come over there. We're looking around for him and, and we end up, we end up going back around and we see him go back into the house. So we get him outside and, um, we go to take him in. We have the other units there, and this guy tries starts to fight. So we pushed him down, on, you know, bent him over on the the hood of the car, and, and, and started cuffing him. He's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
And all my one partner said is he leaned in and says, you can talk, you're breathing. <laughs> he stopped. He didn't stop breathing. <laughs> he just stopped <laughs> complaining. And uh, he was fine. But, you know, there was other times like people, people would take the bands off and they figure, well, they'll keep it on something warm so it won't, they won't know it. So we had one was ta- it was uh, duct taped to a little dog's neck. <laughs> and every time they tried taking off the tape, the dog was biting on <laughs> but uh, are yeah. there any are, is there any time that you're you can take off that monitor or no like i mean no right what do you mean while you're on house arrest yeah yes no no once it's on your leg you can't take it off but what, you know they they went through several different uh types of them you used to have to have a phone in the house now it's all all cell wise but they changed the the, uh, the bands on them now. Now the bands have this steel uh, steel band in them. It's about um, an inch inch and a quarter wide, and I don't know how thick it is, but it's not something you can easily cut. And if you if you went with one of those like angle cutters or something, you have to be very careful because you end up cutting your cutting your leg off with those. That's <laughs> the only way you, you can't can't get them off with tin snips. And the old bands, old bands, you could cut off with a, with a. Uh, with scissors because the, their attitude, well, we're going to know you're going to cut it off. So it doesn't matter whether it's on really hard. But now the reason why they did those metal ones is because they have GPS trackers in them. So we can follow it. We can find the guy. We just got to type it in there. We can find out where exactly he's at, or at least where that band is at. So, so it's, it's improved a lot. And they can shower with those on or there's no limitations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. there's been a couple of times we've gone to people's houses. Can I take a shower? Then I'm like, yeah, please do. <laughs> take a bath. I mean, we these people have been you know dropped off for two or two weeks, and then we we come and check on them two weeks later, and they're like, can I take a bath? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you can you can take a bath, but you're really not supposed to keep it submerged for too long. But they're they are watertight for the most part. I mean, any, anything you submerge for too long, it's gonna not be good. But. Well, let me let me see what else. Uh, have you? Um, well, let's let's this way. Were were there any? I've known a lot of Chicago cops, <laughs> and I've known some. I guess they 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 were partners with some celebrity police officers. We talked about Serge Oliva. You know, I knew one of his old partners. Were there any celebrity uh, Cook County sheriffs? celebrities well you know um, like famous guys that became cook county sheriffs deputy sheriffs well the other way around they become uh deputy sheriffs and then became famous more so right well either way i mean well, well the okay, only one like, i didn't know him. was a cop okay yeah, i didn't know him but i and i did hear of him the guy that uh what the heck is he? dennis franz you know who that is yeah the actor yeah, the you know, stocky guy. He was on yeah. uh, St. El- Elsewhere, or, or uh, anyway, not St. Elsewhere. Those he was who- a, he was a correctional officer at first, and there's a record of him that he that he did that. And I think there's a couple others. I mean, and we know that uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of it. He was a Chicago cop. The guy, Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina. Yes, but there's been a couple. But the only one that really you know sticks out in my head is that Dennis Franz. Huh. But I I never met him. Because like I said, he, when he was a correctional officer, I don't think I was even working for the county at the time. He's, I never met him, but Dennis Farina, I, he was cool. He he got laid, he was laid out at uh, Montclair Lucania on Belmont. That's the funeral parlor um, that that he was that he was at. And there was a few other actors. I don't 
like Ron Casala, I think his name was. He was on some Van Damme movies and or not Van Damme, uh, Seagal. You know, when he retired from the police department, you know, he got into the movies, but he stayed local. He's dead mm-hmm. now, but he stayed local Chicago. I don't think he, I mean, I don't think he ever left Chicago he, unless it was for a movie role, but yeah. Um, at the height, I mean, give us a rough idea how many Cook County Sheriff deputies are there at one point, at one time, like right now, roughly. I think there's, I think there's like 3,500, something like that. I don't know the exact amount, but there's quite a few because if you take them all as a whole, you know, they're all over the county. Like I said, they're not, you got people in the jail, you got people working the, the courts, you got people doing, you know, evictions and all kinds of other things. So I'd say overall, so I think it's got to be at least 35. Pardon? There's more Chicago cops than there are sheriffs, right? W sheriffs. I don't think so. Uh, okay, how many cops are there, Joe? I thought there was like nine thousand or something. Oh, I have no idea what the numbers are. That's a good. Maybe question. you're right. Maybe you're right. I really don't. Know. I don't know, Joe, uh, I don't know. Dan. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. um, but see, here's another thing that people may not know. If you're a city of Chicago employee, you have to live in the city. Dan, you weren't. You weren't. You didn't have to live in Chicago or even Cook County, did you? No. No, I, I when I had started with the county, um, I had been working for about maybe two or three years. And then the, the sheriff wanted to uh, say, well, everybody that works for the county has got to work within Cook County. Well, that just went by the wayside. And I know the reason why it went by the wayside, because there was a lot of people, a lot of people that were high up in administration. Some of them were living in Indiana. And you're like, you're going to expect me. I just bought a, you know, a million dollar home or half a million dollar home in Indiana. And I'm going to move back to Cook County. So they just kind of said, well, let's forget about that. So now with the Cook County, you can live anywhere. You, I mean, you can even live out of state. Not really supposed to, but you know, they're not, they're not going to make, you're not going to fire you because of it, put it that, put it that way. Especially if you're making it to work on time. And you may have said this earlier, but don't the sheriffs, the Cook County sheriffs have jurisdiction on the highways that go through the, the city? Well, like any, anywhere within the city or the surrounding, yeah, we do. But like I said, we don't, unless you're, unless you're sheriff's police, we really don't do that. Like I said, if I'm on the expressway and somebody's acting like an idiot, mm-hmm. yeah, I might be forced to, 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 to do something. But for the most part, that's not in the scope of our uh, job. That would be state police, Joe. Oh, you're right. right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's Illinois State Police. But do you do it? There, there are sheriffs that are necessarily on the interstates, but like, you know, if you're in like Arlington Heights or something, you're on Route 53 or something like that, certain areas there, that that would be Cook County that would patrol it. Because it's not. You know, I, I live in, th- technically, where I live is unincorporated. So if there's any police, uh, anything like that, it's, it's the count, it's, it's the McHenry County Sheriff's. Right. It's 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 not the town police for, for me. Now you go down a few streets and it'll be the town police, or I think maybe even a street over. But my street or the neighbor's next street or something, no. Um, which is interesting phenomenon. Uh because me growing up in Cleveland, uh I don't yeah, it was almost it was always Cleveland police no matter where I went. Uh the only time I saw state police, Ohio State Troopers, was if I was on the turnpike. Uh, and I don't know that I ever saw a Cuyahoga County Sheriff. I, I really honestly don't know that I ever did. Um, but ironically, when I went to that police school, I was, one of my instructors was a, the former 
Cuyahoga County Sheriff, Ralph Krieger, and he was also an FBI agent before that. But, and Elliot Ness was, was the sheriff as well. The famous Elliot Ness, I think, ended his career in Cleveland. Kind of little. He really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a little, well, he kind of ended up an alcoholic and, you know, his career didn't go the way he, he I guess he wanted it to. Things just went wrong. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Cleveland back then had what's called the torso murders. And they've, it's never been solved. And this was probably 100 years, in 1920s and, and so on. And the area where there was like a tenant, a tenement, like a camp for like homeless hobos. That's where a lot of it happened. That's all gone, of course. But um, Elliot Ness could not crack that case. Uh, things went south. There was I don't remember all the details now, but yeah. Um but, you know, getting to Dan, my little personal anecdotes. So, yeah, um, we, we we had a little incident together uh, when Dan was at work. And yeah. I had actually talked about, no, I, I, I talked about this on a podcast several years ago uh, or, or on some video several years ago. And this is the man that it happened to. And I'll refresh people's memories. And Dan, we we used to talk every day on the phone when he was at work, you know, even though he was my actual next door neighbor, we're tight. And blah, blah, blah. And I see all these squad cars in the back, Chicago and Elmwood Park police. I'm like, what the hell? So I'm on my back deck, my back porch. I mean, I'm on, I live, I lived in a three flat and uh, I see the one cop, the, the big shot. I don't remember now if he was a sergeant or lieutenant, but I'm like, what's up? We're looking for, you know, this, you know, are these homeless? Well, I'm on the phone with the guy right now. What, what do you want? We, we wouldn't even talk to him. So I told Dan, I said, Dan, the police want to talk to you. Now, Dan knows that I'm a ball buster. So he, he really right away thought I was putting them on. And I wasn't putting them on. And I, I, the only thing I put them on, I put them on the phone with the cop. Tell them what happened, Dan. Yeah, we need you to come here. We need to talk to you. And you get some, I'm like, oh, is there a problem? No, no, there's no problem. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I get there, and I guess what had happened was they, um, there was a low jack, and it would, they had hit on a low jack. Well, where Tony lived, right next to me, there was no garage. And then the garage to the other side of me, they weren't picking up on that. It's like, you know, they're asking me, who's in your, who's using your garage? It's just me and my wife, no one else. So, no, no one else, no. So, so like, can you come? So I come there and they see the guy and there's two of them. There's a Chicago cop and an Elmwood Park cop. Said, can you open this garage? I'm like, sure. So I open it up. They look in there and it was completely empty. And the look on their face of shock was, it was, it was hilarious. I had to keep from laughing because it was a shock. So the bottom line was uh, evidently low jacks don't work as well as people think they do. Because there was yeah, nowhere in sight. I mean, even across the alley, there was nowhere in sight. And they were chomping at the bit to nail your ass before you got there because I stayed out there. And, yeah, they were like, we got his ass, this and that. I mean, they were just – they all they knew was that you were a deputy sheriff. They didn't know you personally, you know. And I remember you telling me you're not turning your gun in. You're not giving up your pistol unless it's to somebody who's a supervisor, you know, like the – you know, like uh, Fagiano right. or somebody was there. Right. Um, which you just, but you didn't have to, but yeah, you know, it, but yeah, the moral of that story is low jacks are not, I mean, they weren't even close. I mean, there was nothing around. Oh. 
So, um, but yeah, that was very odd. You know, uh, it just really was. And and to see the police, how they were like hoping to nail you, it, it, it just got me. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I thought there was some loyalty here. I mean, I know Chicago don't like county sheriffs. That I know. But you think hey. the Elmwood Park, you know, and what is it with that county sheriff police thing? What's the rivalry there? Well, it's changed over the years. But, yeah, it gets okay. back to, like I said, you know, Chicago always looks at Cook County like you're in our city. They don't look at it. No, your city is in our county. Yeah. So they they don't didn't like us for that. But over the years, it's it's improved quite a bit. A lot of it was because of, you know all the all the outside units and the electronic monitoring and swapping everybody who's worked with Chicago a lot. And uh, so it, the the animosity is not like it was before, or the rivalry, I should say. So, because there's, I had a lot of dealings with Chicago from the last, I'd probably say the last 10 years of my career, and they were all very helpful, all very nice, always all glad to see us, you know, and vice versa. So it did get better, but you know, it, it unfortunately got down to an us and them thing. You know, you got, you got the police and you got everybody else, you know, so it was, it was a divided front is what it was. Yeah. You see, most of my Chicago police friends were old, old, you know, like, right. Long retired, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about moving. I should probably call county sheriffs. They're good at getting you know furniture out of a house and shit. You know that that's the kind of smack. You know they would talk shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know they're mailmen. All they do is serve papers and shit. <laughs> you know? Right? They don't. I mean, I I knew better because I had met. I had known." Not as close as you, but I knew other county sheriffs before I knew you, um, and even uh, like DuPage, you know, DuPage County sheriffs, and 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 you know, and I knew that there were some hard asses. They they got themselves into shit sometimes, you know, and they they earned their money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of like I know with Chicago, the police and firemen, they always have the, or at least they used to have. The, the yearly boxing matches. Remember? Firemen yeah. against the police? Yeah. You know, the firefighters have a huge advantage, you know, because they can work out while they're on the ships, you know, or coppers got to do it on free time. But, uh, yeah, I kind of miss all that. I really do. That that kind of stuff, that that because I had cop friends and fireman friends and you, county sheriff. Uh, yeah, I, I miss all of that. I, I miss a lot of that stuff. <laughs> It shifted from boxing to MMA, so they were they're running some MMA things for you know. Oh, so. they would have they should have stayed with the boxing. That was bad enough. <laughs> I don't even want to think of them doing MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, there was uh, what was his name? Like our, Andre Orlovsky was either Cleveland or Cleveland Chicago cop or the sheriff or something. But I, I don't know all about all that. But somebody told me that. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get into that because I can't remember now too much of that. But yeah, Chicago through the years, it you know I I, I I've heard so many stories, you know, about police officers that were coppers in the seventies, and I don't know if I knew anybody who was who was a police officer in the sixties. I I may have, but I don't remember. I remember my friend was, but he was like a cadet. He never made it onto the force. He was just a cadet. He trained with Ronnie Hoffman, who was a 
pretty big name in, in martial arts in Chicago uh, back in the day before I moved here, like internal martial arts and all of that, like Count Dante stuff. And uh, uh, what was the other one? Paul Ventacinque, he was a Chicago cop, big time martial art guy. Uh, um, yeah. What about martial arts in the sheriff's department outside of yourself? Not speaking about yourself, but were there any other notable martial artists that you knew of that were on the sheriff's department? Um, I knew a lot of a lot of different guys that were good, but I wouldn't necessarily say they were um, um, famous kind of guys. Okay. You know, they were just very, very good martial artists. You know, because one one thing that you find out, and especially if you worked in the jail, you learn you learn how to use the get rid of the fluff and you use meat and potatoes stuff, which is what it's all about anyway. So you, I mean, so I didn't know any like I didn't know any personal like stars, but I did you know I did know some very good guy very good martial arts which was nice so i trained with a few of them here and there but i can't remember a lot of their names some of them have passed hmm. yeah getting rid of the fluff that's so so important and unfortunately a lot of guys go to their graves never getting rid of the fluff they don't know because they never really had to use it or they use it in situations where they were they were going to win no matter what because of outside circumstances. Uh, yeah, you and I have had lots of talks about that and lots of workouts at the gym, mm -hmm. my, my old gym in Bensonville. And not just, I mean, weights, but fighting, you know. Uh, yeah. And, of course, your boy Steve. Matter of fact, everybody, uh, for those of you who have watched my uh, Foundations of Footwork video with Steve Nadolski, that's Dan's son, Steve. Of course, that was filmed a long time ago. Steve's 30 now. I can't believe this. Yeah, he's he's good. He's he's much more well-rounded than I am in a lot of respects because he's got a really good ground game as well as a stand-up. Me, I'm I'm more of a stand-up guy. If I have to go to the ground, I mean you you've taught me fundamentals. Could I say that I'm a a wrestler? And by no means, no. But I do know a couple of fundamentals that you've always oh, yeah. instilled. You got really good on the ground, and yeah, and your fundament your uh, not your fundamentals, but your your striking was really good. I've seen you do it. I've seen you go at it. Um, so I have firsthand, uh, you know, this is not, yeah, I've seen it. So I, I know where you're at. And and you got to meet Bill Wallace, remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On my of course, Terry Dow. Yep. Terry Dow did a little thing at your school when you were teaching. Um, he's been on the podcast. Great guy. Uh, yeah, he had mentioned me doing something out. For him this year, every year I used to go, but I haven't heard from Terry. And, of course, with me having my surgery, he normally holds it in March, or maybe it's even in April. But, yeah, I'm not going to be able to now. Because I haven't heard from him. But, uh, yeah, we've had some interesting times, you and I, good and bad. We've had a lot of True. stories that aren't <laughs> – we're not really – we can't talk about. But, we, you know, we, we also had some good ones, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we were there for each other through breakups and through blossoming romances and all you name it. <laughs> we were there. Seeing you, you, uh, you brought that up. I, ha I have to share one time, and that was a time you and I went to. We were went to a bar, and um, I forget what the bar was, but the the way the bar was set up, it was a pretty much an oval bar, and the barmaid was you know in, in the middle, and she she work around it. And um, 
you were you started shooting pool with this guy but before you did i'm sitting at the bar and this woman across from me was was drinking and she was i don't i don't want to be mean but she was pretty troll-like and you walked over to her and you told her you know you told her yeah my buddy likes you so she comes over to me and starts talking to me i'm like (laughs) and you're just smiling away shooting pool i'm like you asshole (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah, man. Like, where's your? I'm married. He's. She said, "I'm married to a fireman." I said, "Where is he?" He's at another bar. I said, "Well, why don't you go there?" <laughs> yeah, but see, she's married, but she's still coming over to you. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Because you're you're irresistible. Oh no, I, I'm good for that kind of stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, especially if there's a pool table around, but in in a, in a woman, I'm going to get into some sort of trouble. But no, we we normally kept clean, man. Fun. You know, you and I, uh, we'd hang out see each other in the front of the well i lived in a three flat but dan lived in a house but i could pretty much open my bedroom window and if he was you know we could almost touch each other the houses were so close together over there um yeah you know and yeah we had we had some good times man really you know your yearly parties and um yeah it was just it was it was it was pretty pretty good man pretty good times I missed that. Like you said, there's a lot of things we really can't talk. About. No, we can't. You know. But I was Not glad that, that when, when Steve was so little, you know, he was getting on the wrestling program and I could show him things and help him out with his standard wrestling, just his amateur stuff. He ended up doing good, sixth in the state. Um, and, you know, for a kid who never wrestled until high school, you know, he didn't get mm-hmm. he didn't grow up wrestling. He was a great martial artist through you. But that's different than mar- than wrestling, you know that. So, um, mm-hmm. and then of course, I'm just happy that you got to spend time with Kevin. Uh, and yeah, well, you can what never put one past him. Anytime you started to feel bad about yourself or feel down, Kevin would step on you. All right, he wouldn't. You're not kidding. To help you up. What the hell, Duber? You know, is it? Yeah, he's a fucking crazy. He's 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 gotten on my case a few times too. He had, and and I needed it. Yeah, I absolutely needed it. And he never meant anything by it because, you know, he really, uh, off off, off the side, man, really respected you and admired your physique, you know, because you were like the bodybuilder of all of us. I mean, you know, you had that body when you, especially when you cut weight and shit, you, you look like, I honestly think you could have entered a bodybuilding contest, local ones for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you did, you know, you, you had that going for you and, you know something, everybody. I tell you what, Dan's forte was with lifting was was hammer curls. Okay, dumbbell See hammer it. curls. While I was the straight curl guy, um, doing the strict shit, Dan would do reps with ninety pound dumbbell hammer curls, and you you didn't even sweat that. Seated too. I wasn't standing. Seated. Yes, they were not. They were not like uh, momentum and shit. No, seated. Alternate dumbbell curls. He'd pound out ten reps like like nothing. I and sets. That's impressive. And when did you start lifting? Pardon? When did you start lifting? Uh, I lifted on and off for, for a long time when I was young, like you know, in early twenties, and I did went away from it. And then when I got into the jail, I started working out for a little bit, and I tore my shoulder because I was pushing it too fast. And then I got away with just doing light lifting and I met Tony and then I started back up again. And that's when I really hit it well when I was, you know, 
and I had the advantage because when I was at work, um, the basement from where I worked, that was where the gym was. So I would go down and have a, maybe a sandwich and I'd work out half, half of my lunchtime. So I was, I was constantly keeping myself toned. And then I would go with Tony and, and Kevin and then we would hit the weights heavy because I needed a yeah. spotter and I didn't trust the spotters at, at work. No, no. And everything was climbing, man. Um, Dan was there when I blew out this arm filming, getting ready for the snap, no tap. When I blew out everything, the labrum and the bicep and, you know, the rotator and all that shit. As a matter of fact, Dan, you were the one that took me to the hospital for my, ultimately for my surgery. You drove me there. And then yeah. uh, the girl that I was seeing, you had a split and she, she came to get me. Um, and then Joe, Joe was there when I blew out my right arm. Those are my knock wood, my two major injuries. And, and, you know, both of you guys were there for it. Like literally like life changing. Especially Joe's because I never got it repaired. Um, but no, we've had overall, you got to, I look at things like the totality of it. Okay. Like, mm -hmm. all right, everybody has bad things, every, but you have good. What outweighs what? And our good times are really, really good. Uh, we had a lot of them. And we just had like, but you know, near the end, you know, when you're divorced, when your marriage was breaking up, I, I had broken up. Uh, we had some rough patches, you know, I broke my hip, you know, all that shit. Um, it, it was just getting pretty bad there for a while. Yeah, that's when I met you is when you broke your hip. You, you're, you're nursing it back when I met you. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And I actually ended up breaking it again, but that was afterwards. But uh, yeah. And then, so I had my hip and then the arm thing, which laid me up for quite a while, um, but yeah, you know, and then you went through your surgeries and shit. I mean, it's just like, man, never ending. Never ending. But we took care of each other, man. We were there for each other. And, yep. you know, that that was so much different than where I live here. Where I'm now, you can't count on anybody, okay? Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's not exclusive to me. I mean, you know, you just, people just don't, they don't have that out here, that sense of community. Whereas in a neighborhood like where we live, it's tight knit. You know, there's always somebody there to help. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just the way the city, you know, and people tend to get that backwards. They think the rural areas where everybody chips in. It's not the case. I, I've not seen it. And, and and it's not even for me. It's it's for other people. And I'm always the guy that ends up helping other people. And my, and my roommate, Eddie, is like that. He helps people because nobody else will give a damn mm -hmm. out here. No, it's 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 not for me, but you know I enjoy the tranquility, and especially now that the weather should hopefully be changing, um, there's something to that. But uh, so so another thing with Dan and I, it wasn't a rivalry, but we we used to like to challenge each other with pizzas or Chinese, you know, Italian beef sandwiches and. <laughs> you know, we, we both had our, you know, Joe, why don't you step in on this? Because you, you know a lot about that shit. Get your input in on your favorite beefs and we know your favorite pizza. Yeah. And I recently just had a friend uh, go there and say it was mediocre. I was kind of upset. I still have to have words with him. Uh, but, <laughs> so my, uh, it's Pequod's Pizza um, up in Morton Grove. That's my place. Tony and I will hit that sometimes after a workshop. You know, let me interrupt. I, I stopped and got my hair cut this weekend after the seminar, and the girl that cut my hair, this is in Lake Zurich. I never was there before. She she brought up Pequot's. She goes, really? Huh. Yeah. That's, yeah. I've that's, never that's, eaten there. 
You got to, Dan. Yeah, we got to remedy that. We I've heard of it. I've heard of the heard of it. There's supposed to be another uh, couple that are way south that are really good, but I, I can't remember what the names are. People that are people that are on the south side, they just rave. Oh no, that's the best. But never had it. <laughs> yeah, Southsiders. <laughs> yeah, I was I was telling Tony a few days ago when I used to go on patrol. I used to hate the South Side, and I'm not I'm not necessarily biased, but the reason why I hated it because most of the time they would put me in the worst area because the worst area of Chicago is is in um, what is it Inglewood. The next worst area of Chicago is the West Side which is like, you know, like four or 500 north and then like Kedzie around that area. That area is probably the second worst. So I, I hated going to the south side because it was just a crappy area. There was nowhere you could go and eat or sit down and just relax. It just was, I didn't, I just hated it. But I talked to anybody that I worked with that was on the south side. He's, oh, you're north side. Or, oh, you must be gay. Well, he's now, <laughs> he's so right now. Here's the thing. When Paul Dodds was in for training, it was Paul Dodds, Uncle Vinny, and I wanted Dan to go. I wanted to take Paul. He had been here before, but he had never seen the south side. So Dan's like, no, I'm not going on the south side. Okay, so we go to, to the south side. Now, this this is how it works down there. So we go to this bar I've never been to before. They had this immaculately perfect, beautiful, absolute, startling bartender. Um, she was actually one lookalike contests, uh, for Christy Brinkley. She was that beautiful. So Paul's like, Oh, Oh, oh my God, look at that. I says, well, I'm going to look at that. All right. I want to talk to her too. I says, but I got to figure this out because if I would have told her where I was from, I would have no chance. Mm-hmm. So when she came over, I said, excuse me. I says, my name's Tony. What's yours? She says, Chris. I said, Chris, um, can you do me a favor? She says, well, that depends. I'm like, do you have like those local, like neighborhood, like little newspaper things, like where they sell stuff or they have rentals? I says, because I live up on that, you know, friggin' North side. I can't stand it. I want to move out of here. I need a place. I need, I need one of these newspapers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah. You don't want to be up there with all those gays, you know, and that's exactly what she said. All the gays on the North side. So that for people who don't know Chicago, they think all Northsiders are gay, and all the Northsiders think the Southsiders are inbred. Okay, that's just that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. So with, with that, come online with that. Th- I, we ended up dating. We were, you know, we we went out for a while. I don't know if you ever met her. I had her over at the house, but um, yeah, that's how you have to play that because there is a huge like disconnect between the South Side and the North Side in Chicago, man. That, there's it's like territorial you don't cross cross over that much yeah yeah the biggest thing is is the is the baseball rivalry and it's weird because you know cubs and socks they don't like they like each other but it's weird the south side absolutely does not like the cubs by any means ever 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 whereas you get cubs fans and they're like they'll root for the socks like if the socks are in the world series they'll root for them socks fans if the cubs are in it they'll root against them they'll root for the other team they're just that adamant about it. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. They're jealous. Right, exactly. Are you Are you in this city, um, Joe? No, not anymore. Not anymore. I'm in the Burbs. Um, okay. But, I, yeah, I grew up, like I said, you know, not too far from where you were for, for originally, you know, right by the uh, Gordon Tech area. 
that was mine. So not too far from Wrigley. It was like, you know, three miles west of Wrigley or so. so yeah, I grew, yeah, I grew up in uh, Argyle and Lincoln, right before, right by Lincoln, Lawrence, and Western. Ah, okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, well, is it Wells Park kind of over there? Yeah, Wells, and then there's River Park. Yeah, River Park. Yeah, you weren't far from Lincoln Square. No. No, no not at all. Was Deckerberg Academy there back then or no? Yep, and then I, and then and then they they were still there by the time I moved out of the city, and then they uh, then they moved over to um, by Shures High School. Yeah, well, that didn't last. Uh, yeah, he's still down there. I mean, last I heard, he was still in Lincoln Park or Lincoln Square as well. But yeah, no, the one by Shures, which used to be Choi's, that was Choi's Taekwondo over there. Yeah, and then right. and he he moved in. That didn't make it there, um, which I didn't think it would. Uh, uh, Milwaukee, that's all, that's all changed. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I uh, um, I haven't seen Fred Degerberg since Johnny Lira's funeral. That was, the, that was 2012. So it's been 10 years since I've seen Fred. Uh, I've, I, I, I met mean, a guy long before he, he opened up in, in uh, um, Lincoln Square, and he used to work – he used to teach out of a, uh, a park district in Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Park. That's originally where Degerberg started teaching at, and then he—that's when he then he moved to to Lincoln Square. Bob Beal, is that you're referring to? And uh, his boxing coach, Bob Beal, taught out of um, River Park in the basement. Like no, this the, wasn't River Park. This this was um, Lincoln Park. Oh, Lincoln. Like, okay. Yeah. That's where his first, first, if you want to call it a school, that was the first place he he was he had an organized school at. Okay. Park. Yeah, I got confused because I know his. Fred's original boxing coach was Bob Beal, and Bob was still, yeah, Bob was still teaching uh, boxing uh, just out of a little room in the basement of um, uh, River Park, probably up into the 80s, because I, I, I worked out there a couple times in the basement. But that was kind of one of those things when the longer you were at Degerberg, there'd be these rumors of these guys, well, this is the guy who, you know, taught, taught Fred how to box, and this is where it was, and so people would always go check it out, but yeah, and he was like, he was like deaf in one ear, and he, like he, he'd have to shout into his ear, you know. And but he had one of those stories where he, I think, because of the the damage he received boxing or whatever, he, he'd retired, uh, but he wanted to keep fighting, and so he took up karate. And that was, um, uh, that was kind of like one of the proto hybrid fighters. When that's kind of what influenced, I think, Fred, because Fred always had that. Well, he called it like a. I don't call it hybrid or mixed, whatever they call it, blend, I think was a term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was like the karate and the boxing and things like that. So um but he I think he was a weightlifter, you know. Yeah, there was pictures of him in the gym of like like clean and jerking like big amount of weights. So um yeah, he he wanted to be a strong man too. I think a lot of like that's another thing that was like probably he probably had a lot of the influences on TV that you did, Tony, you know, wanted to be a strong man and a fighter too. That makes a lot of sense. He's he's I guess he's a little older than you, or I don't know. Oh exactly. shit, he's 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 a lot older than me. I probably think he's my mom's age. I would think. Oh yeah, you're probably right. He's probably like yeah. seventy plus. But yeah, um, he's way up there. I mean, I, I I mean I I don't mean it as an insult. I mean he's just been around forever. Uh, yeah. Um, I remember he was on that. I I had just moved here pretty much. I wasn't here that long, and he was on one of those. They made the news. Like they got all these martial arts schools together, 
to try to stop this Chung Mu Kwan, that cult school that was, you know, screwing people over. And they had like him and the heads of these, it was like a mafia thing, you know, they had the Koreans and all of them trying to band together to figure out a way to shut down this Chung Mu Kwan. Mm-hmm. Remember that, Dan? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. they were a cult and they were like harassing people, students and everything. And um, they eventually went out of business. And I guess they were out on the East Coast too, but they were called something else. Now, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't like Chung Mu Kwan. It might've been like Chung Mu Do or something like that, right? Um, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, but uh, I met a woman who was a black belt in Chung Mu Kwan at a, at a private party at somebody's part, uh, somebody's house. And um, yeah, she just was a little off, you know, wasn't, 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 did, you know, just wasn't, wasn't with it. Um, and, you know, you never know. It's funny you say that that cultish, I don't know whether it was cultish, but I, I remember my instructor used to tell me about in the sixties, they used to have the, uh, dojo wars but it was it was the the chinese arts and it was the, the green dragons against the the, the black dragons black dragons yeah and uh they didn't remember that was with uh count dante the one guy well, Kansevic, i think he was killed for the spear uh jim uh, jim Kansevic, and yes now i had mentioned earlier today that uh eddie blackberg was uh my friend that was a police cadet and studied with ronnie hoffman well he knew jim Kansevic. Um, and they worked out together with Ronnie Hoffman and uh, uh, Kenny Knudsen. And I knew a guy, um, well, we call him Orlando or Fluffy. Uh, Dennis was his real name. Little guy, he passed away. He was an active student at, at the Green Dragon when those Dragon Wars, were, uh, when those Dojo Wars were going down. Um, and interesting, you know, uh Yeah. That was long before my time. I was just, a, I don't, I was born, but I was in Cleveland. Because Dante died in, what, 75? I was not, you know, I was a kid. But, yeah, that shit happened either in the late 60s or early 70s, something like that. I, I can't remember the guy's name, but one of the guys that actually was there at, at that fight, um, he signed my first brown belt certificate. No kidding. Of, yeah. I can't think of what his name is. He's not, he's, he's, he's passed away now, but, yeah. But yeah, he was one of the guys. Doug Dwyer, perhaps? Mm-mm. No. I can't think of the thing. Lawrence Day? Nope. He used to uh, he used he used to operate a school on, actually on, on the south side on the 35th in uh, Halstead. Mass martial arts. That's where Maka used to originally be at. Um, um Frank Novak. Frank Novak. Oh, oh no, I don't know him. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't know he, him. He was one but, of the guys. Well, that was, Dante's was there. place was on the south side. Yeah. You know, Dante was a South Side or John Key, and he was an Irishman, you know, but before he went nuts, you know, um, he used to work out of Johnny Coolin's gym. Um, mm. uh, Johnny was a boxer, and, you know, he he learned a trick about not getting lifted off the ground and all of that. Dante had some tie-ins with, I don't know, man, with the organized crime and things like that, because he was in a set, he was not legitimate. I mean, I mean, he was, I shouldn't say, I don't mean his martial arts even. I'm just saying he was into things. Yeah. Okay. Extracurricular activities, I guess. And, yeah, I, be- uh, I believe he was into to porn movies or something. Not that he necessarily acted, but I think he produced and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm he sure was into some dark stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had some, you know, he was from what from what I was told. Well, I got some interesting stories, but um, I don't know. Did you ever meet Bobby Pearl? Bobby Pearl. 
Bobby Pernitsky, the copper from Chicago, through me. I maybe okay. he, he I've heard the name. Up. I don't think I ever met him. Maybe one yeah, time he, at, at Eva's, maybe. Yeah, at Eva's. That's it. Because yeah. he was a legend. Um, but he knew Dante, and he was telling me once. Uh, and I forgot the country. It doesn't matter. But like Bobby's sitting there drinking, and Dante, you know, he's over there doing something. He's like, "Hey, Bobby," and he's like, "What, John?" He's like, um, "What? What's the what's the capital of uh, you know Colombia?" He said, "I don't know, Bogota." He's like, "All right, let me write that down, Bogota." He was just making up a, a fake resume about all the places he fought in. Right? He was just making his shit up, and he's asking Bob, uh, you know, Bobby Pearl, what, "What what's the capital of this or that country?" Um, but yeah, I, I heard from what I would consider a reliable source that, you know, he ended up, they said he died of a bleeding ulcer, which yeah. I'm not here to dispute it, but he was pretty much living in fear, uh, near the end of his life. Look, and, and I, I just, because I think he had the wrong people after him, um, you know, and I, I like I said, that. I'm, I'm hearing everything secondhand, but you know, from reliable sources. Yeah, he's he's in an unmarked grave too. Yeah, right in River Grove. Yep. Yeah, we lived. I used to live across the street from there with, with Eddie Blackbird for a while. We were roommates years ago. Um, but yeah, that was the next next town over from where you and I lived. Yeah, it, it, interesting fellow. Uh, from what I heard, uh, they 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 said he was good at what he did. I mean, not deadliest man alive shit, but that what he knew, he was Trias, Robert Trias, you know, basically Kempo. Right. Um, and then did some other stuff, I gather. I know he boxed a little. This I know because he hung out at Johnny Coolman's gym. Of course, he's going to a lot of box some. Mm-hmm. But I've seen just a couple of video clips of him. He did not know how to wrestle. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing to see it. Um, but all of his crazy, you know, I remember talking to Degerberg about it. I talked to Tom Sab about, about him and, you know, cause Sab was in the Kempo and, you know, he's the one who really thought he was good. You know, he said, Oh yeah, he was good at his Kempo. Um, who am I to say? I mean, like I said, he was dead before I was even, you know, training, I think. Um, but yeah. you never met him, did you? No, no. I, he, I think he was dead long before I even started. I'm yeah, seventy five. He died. When did you start? Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. I didn't start. Oh, well, wow. probably early eighties is when I oh, started. Okay. I was twenty three. So All right. yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighties or eight, 1880s? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just don't know. I mean, I don't worry. I forget it. Too personal. Um, yeah. <laughs> why are you on it? It's like my brother told me, he goes, when I first turned 60, he goes, yeah, you're 60, but next year you're going to be in your 60s. Yeah. <laughs> nice brother. Yeah. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about a city like Chicago, second to New York, well, technically it's the third largest city, but for things like this, Chicago was second to New York. Um, it had an interesting, like, judo. Uh, uh, Chicago was big with the judo uh, in the 60s for sure judo schools and you know chicago was big for pool shooting pool i regret not being born in chicago i mean god all the things i like you know was here um but you know it's people like you and joe that make chicago what it is it's the chicagoans the the true 
blue people that I thrive to be around because there's there is a lot of similarities between Clevelanders and Chicagoans. Joe knows that. You've never been to Cleveland, Dan, but Joe, Joe went with me, and you know, and I love that the personable and and you have a sense of history, and you guys, even though I know you have a love hate relationship, both of you guys sometimes with Chicago, but I know you guys deep down love it, or yes. at least love the Chicago you were raised that era. Yes, I don't love a lot of the things that it's evolved that it's evolved to, but yes, overall, I I like you said. It, the history is like second to none in, in many, many ways. I mean, there's just, you know, I, every day I seem to find out about, you know, well, this happened in Chicago, that happened. I mean, look at what, what everybody found. I don't know whether you're in the city, but remember when, um, when the, when the city flooded from them busting a hole in, in the, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was there. I mean, and, and, and nobody really realized about all those tunnels that were, that, that were there that used to bring the coal into the city. And those things, I think they run all the way to Cicero. The tunnels where they where that's where they actually that's where they actually would put them in there and they come in that way, but yeah, I mean it's a lot of things you find out about that you know like never realized. I mean, just like where I used to work at it, and, and I can you can attest to it is literally two blocks down is the the headquarters for the Chicago Outlaws. Yeah, with their bulletproof shit and their cages and you know yeah they got a big they got a big plate. Uh, that's yeah. in front of the door. So if you, as soon as you walk out, they can't nail you when you first walk out. Yeah, yeah. just a couple blocks from from police, you know, sheriff's headquarters. Yeah, I, I used Under- to work out of, out of the uh, the uh, the warehouse, but yeah, yep, it was literally two blocks from where we were. Yeah, it it, it is amazing, You're, you know. And there's probably things about Chicago that we don't even have a clue yet. Mm-mm. You know. Yep. And that, that's like Cleveland. There's things I know a lot about Cleveland, but there's probably a lot that, you know, it's lost history. I know there's an underground Cleveland. There's a city beneath the city of downtown Cleveland. That's Absolutely. an old fact. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. I've never been there, but I saw it when I lived in Cleveland on TV. And of course we have the mines underneath Lake Erie. Salt okay. mines. Okay. Oh, okay. And you know, what's ironic. They have vehicles down there, motor vehicles. Not a speck of rust. You bring those vehicles up to uh, our atmosphere, they'll rust out. Huh. Yeah. But, yeah, because the, the, it's deep, deep mines underneath Lake Erie to get the salt. Um, I would assume Chicago has something like that with Michigan because uh, Lake Michigan because you got Morton Salt down there, Joe. Yeah, it's good. I, I know about the Cleveland ones, actually. That's kind of amazing because they're huge. And like they do tours oh, yeah. of them, you think, yeah, it's kind of an amazing, and it just, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing that it actually works because they are under the lake, right? Or are they? It's it's under the it's under the lake. It's completely under Lake Erie and and deeper under Lake Erie. Um, there, you know, Cleveland geographically is set up even nicer than Chicago, and we never did anything with the lake. Um, there, I I think they're trying to change things now, but it would take hundreds of billions if not a trillion dollars to develop anything like chicago has and and cleveland is literally capable of doing it because of the way it sits geographically um although chicago is larger square miles than cleveland okay cleveland's like 78 square miles but we were denser than chicago okay Mm -hmm. uh at the time not any longer not any longer but at one point, Cleveland had a little over one million people, 
when I was a kid, it was already starting to, they were leaving. There was about seven, between 750 and 775,000, but in a small little area. Now, when you factor in everything else, um, you know, the surrounding hoods and shit, um, you know, we had well over 3 million people. So it was a large town in, in that sense. So when I moved to Chicago, it was not a big, it was, it was the same to me as living in Cleveland. Okay. Mm. Um, but I wish Cleveland would do so. I love Cleveland. I'll always feel that I'm a Clevelander. Uh, I'll, you know, if, 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 if the doctors told me, Tony, you got one week to live, well, I'm going to Cleveland. You know, I'll die in Cleveland you know, if I know what's coming. I mean, that's how I feel. Um, I, I just love the town. It, everything I have is because of Cleveland. You know, my knowledge and shit, basically. But, um, Joe, you got any closing thoughts? Because we've been going for a long time. Yeah, over 90 minutes, but it's been a lot of interesting stuff. Good one. We could have to have yeah. him on again. Absolutely. And like, yeah, I, I know, you know, I've met Dan before, but um, never really got to know him, you know, and talk about his life and his things. So this has really been a good opportunity to uh, really get to uh, meet you, actually. So that was cool. Yeah, Thank you know, Dan, the thing is, Joe, you know, when you don't really know Dan, that's when you really like him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one quick thing you were mentioning about Cleveland. Um, I had been watching, I remember I was watching some cooking show and uh, they were talked about this one place there. I forget the name of you would probably remember it. They said it is the best place for, for euros. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, for the uh, corned beef, the Slimans, um, I, I don't know about euros. Do you, Joe? Mm-mm, no. You said it was Whatever. yours. What, what about the place you're talking about? What was the name of it? You, you talking to me? Yeah. Slimans? I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. They they make the roast beef, the, the corned oh, okay. beef. I, 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 I mixed up then because, yeah, I yeah. remember it. It's, it, it, it it's, it's, it's literally uh, probably almost 12 inches high. It's just amazing. When I took Joe there because of scheduling, we couldn't get there because they close early. Are, uh, yeah, they close early, but they're open early. Um, mm-hmm. There's literally lines to get in the joint, like Johnny's Beef. Um, and this is a lot more expensive than Johnny's Beef, man. It's like 15, 16 bucks for because we're talking about corned beef here. Um, yeah. Rubens and shit, too. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it is, it's an amazing place. But Cleveland is known for their corned beef, um, chili dogs. Uh, where Chef Boyardee. Huh? Chef Boyardee. Well, you know, he was from Cleveland. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 was born in Italy or something, but whatever. But he made his thing in Cleveland. You bet. Currently, mm-hmm. yeah. I can't believe you knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something else Cleveland was known for food wise. And right now, I, I'm not. It, it's not coming to me. But a lot of ethnic foods. Um, you know. But no, this has been great podcast, Joe. What do you think, huh? No, it really was a lot of fun. Very interesting. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the talks about the, the, the sheriff work and the Tang So Do. That's very interesting. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody's work to train that style, so that's cool to hear about. Definitely. Yeah, the only thing that I hate with, with a lot of the Korean styles and the, the, the practitioners is they get blinded and they figure that this this is the best. This is the best style. And and I remember my instructor, he told me one thing that I, that I really took heart to. And I truly believe it. He said, there are no superior styles, only superior performers. 
And I truly believe that because I mean, you could take judo and you could be, un I mean, look at judo Gene LaBelle. That's all he ever did. But believe me, you wouldn't want to touch that guy in a fight. I mean, I think he's passed now, but I mean, in his prime, that guy was just unbelievably dangerous. But he was, you know, it wasn't because the art was so superior. It's because he was superior. Just for example. How, yeah. How is your instructor, Rick? How's he doing? He's all right. He's hanging in there. He's working now. He doesn't want to have to work, but, you know, what are you going to do? He's got issues. Good man. Hi, Rick. If you're going to watch this, how you doing, Rick? Yeah. Hope I get to see you this year. Yeah. Is he on the south side? Yes and no. He's in Pilsen, which is 18th Street and, you know, Ashland around there. Yeah. And that's an ironic thing about it. That's where I get all my training when, when I trained with him. I would 99% of the time I was go, I went by him, and that was in, you know, that area. Was it Hispanic back then, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, it, you know, it, it's, I hate to say it, but it's it's a shitty area. It was a shitty area then. It's a shitty area now. A lot of it is, there are a lot of yuppies that are moving in, but there's still a lot of shitty areas, unfortunately. But it's just the way of the world. Yeah, it's it, it was rough over there. Uh, I didn't really have a reason to go to Pilsen. I mean, I'm sure I've driven through there, but I don't believe I've ever gone there, let's say, you know. Um, yeah. I don't think I ever had to do anything over there. But no, everybody, no, this was it, man. You got to meet two of the best goombas you'll ever meet. Yes, Dan is half Italian, which means he's not Italian. I hate to say it. Uh, no, I can never be made, right? Yeah, 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 right. Well, the way the world is going, who knows anymore? We can't even talk about that stuff. No, although, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yeah, although, you know, Joey the Clown got locked, got caught two blocks from where we lived, I think it was, or three. Yep. I mean, we were in the heart of it all, man. Uh, these are these some of these you know organized crime members were our were our were our neighbors and and were our you know associates. You you can't you know it's like you, you know people. You know we get around. We know people. What are you going to say? You know. Um, but uh, no, it was great having you on, and we got to have you back. You know, and you know for sure. And you know we got to hook up again, Dan. Um, Dan stopped over to the house last week, so it was great to see him. I hadn't seen him in a long time, probably since your marriage, since your wedding. I think so. I think that was the last last time, yeah. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, after my heal after my surgery and I heal up, uh, I'll I'll try to head out to Yorkville where you're at and then see see ya. Um gotta make sure I have my passport together. Um yeah. Yeah, which is which is actually I, I gotta get a passport, man. I haven't got, I had one in years. I gotta get one. Um, just just don't tell anybody who you are because everybody in my neighborhood, if, if I say, if you see Tony Chikini, don't let him come. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, most of the women I date say the same thing. Oh, you're Tony Chikini? Well, you, you ain't coming. I'm like, okay. Um, anyway. Um, How does she know? Yeah, right. Well, I faked it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 Joe, you don't have those problems. Not with, well, not with that face of yours, man. Um, women literally faint. In your presence, you know that's happened. He's caused more concussions without even throwing a punch than anybody in the world. <laughs> they fall and hit their heads. I mean, yeah. be honest. Don't be shy, Joe. I lost my mic. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're we're gonna wrap it up, everybody. Thanks again for watching. And if you can come out to those seminars in March, I'll be there with bells on, and and maybe a bandage. But uh, I'll be there. And thanks, Joe. And thank you, Dan. 
you. We'll see you. Thanks, Joe. Bye, guys. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Thank <laughs> you.